Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. It is officially mid-March and we are officially on week two of the Leading Women in Tech Accelerator Bootcamp. If you don't know what I'm talking about, (laughs) head over to tonycollis.com forward slash bootcamp. This is an entirely free 30-day bootcamp that I've put together with my team to make sure that we're accelerating everybody's careers this spring. Because why not, right? Let's really kick ass this spring and make sure that you have the tools and techniques, both the leadership and the career stuff that you need to really deliver on your dreams to have a great leadership career. Sound good? TonyCollis.com forward slash bootcamp. And don't worry if you have not joined yet, but you're like, this sounds amazing, but I'm behind. It is something you can easily catch up on. So far, because we're in week two, you've only missed a couple of the sessions. Don't worry, and they're all recorded. In fact, most of it is pre-recorded videos because I know with this community, you're all super busy. So I didn't want to do lots of live things this time like I normally do. A lot of it is pre-recorded training and then there's Q&As put in there alongside that. So, so far, we've talked about learning about your zone of genius, about what it takes to really up-level your career. And this week's training is all about your career strategy because yes, you might have a strategy at work for your work deliverables and all that sort of stuff. Do you have a career strategy? If not, make sure you sign up to this bootcamp, tonycollis.com forward slash bootcamp. But without further ado, let's get on to today's podcast. Today, I am interviewing Ashley Lou Wilson. Ashley is a San Francisco-based entrepreneur raised by a used car salesman and an elevator guy. So this is going to tell you, this is going to be an interesting interview. She's tapped into her roots in recent years and opened and sold multiple small businesses. She did all that by the age of 20, in fact, until ultimately landing herself in the elevator business. But stick with me here because she has a really interesting story to share with you and so many interesting insights. She's learned that one of her unique skills is discovering what customers really need in this industry of the elevator business. And I think it's something you can all learn whatever industry you're in, because although you might all be in tech, like... It's a very broad church, right? And understanding that in the elevator industry, customers were often the afterthought, allowed her to differentiate herself and her business. She actually epitomizes what it means to put people first and how that can be profitable. And so that's what we're going to be really digging into today. And obviously, she isn't just talking about putting customers first. She's talking about putting all people first. And her experience just goes to show how powerful this can be in business, which is why we're talking all about leadership, people first, and actually digging into her entrepreneurial journey just a little bit as well. So without further ado, let's get Ashley onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Ashley. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, let's start straight off with your personal career story and how you came to be the CEO and founder at Audemate. I was raised in the elevator and escalator industry, um, but even before that, my parents, my mom and dad were serial entrepreneurs selling everything from 
vacuums to insurance to cars. And then my stepdad entered my life at like 12, I think. And he was in the elevator business. So I had this mix of um, entrepreneurial spirit and corporate and this good mix of white collar and blue collar. And I started my first few businesses at 18, mostly because I wanted to work less and make more. And then started in the elevator industry in my early 20s. And I quickly found that high, high profits in the elevator industry were a direct result of customers not understanding their contracts and elevator companies not doing their jobs. Mm. And so I left strictly because of a, a values misalignment. And then AuditMate was born um, out of this fiery passion of believing that people do not need to be elevator experts. We just need honest and transparent information to make good decisions. Oh gosh, 100%, right? More transparent and honest information. I think that's one of the things I, I'm loving about a lot of the innovations that women are bringing. It's not exclusive to women, don't get me wrong, but I think on average, uh, women, for, for some reason, maybe it's just those who are now coming into the workplace and maybe that's why it's also men now too. Uh, there's more permission for us to align with our integrity and ethics than perhaps historically was true. So I, I love this. Well, okay. The reason we really got you on the show today is because we were having a chat and I loved your approach to problem solving, trusting your gut instincts as a woman, as a CEO, as a founder, as a leader. Can you tell me a little bit more about why as women, we need to trust our gut instincts more and when we need to recognize that we're getting on our own way because we're not trusting those instincts? Uh, yeah. Wow. So Glennon Doyle has a book, Untamed, mm-hmm. and she says that something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing here, that suffering is the moment between the knowing and the acting. Mm. And I believe that we all have magic within us. I believe we all know the answer and what's true for us, what, what, what resonates for us. And that truth, that voice, that whatever you want to call it, and I believe as women, we, we connect with it or, or tune to it maybe a little more um, or have a more nurturing relationship with it than like the gut instinct, right? Mm. When we learn to harness that and foster that, magic happens. And when we don't listen to that and we don't foster that, it, this, this internal suffering comes up of like, I'm not doing enough. I could do more. This isn't right. This is wrong. I should be doing this massive career and my kids and this and that and whatever. And it's like, if we were able to just slow down and listen and be able to be vulnerable with what comes up, that's where connection is made. And that's where empowerment is fostered. And that's where we're able to build these relationships with people on our team to be able to say something like, Hey, I'm confused. Hey, Mm. this doesn't feel good. And then we're able to connect on those things. And what happens when we connect on those things is innovation. (laughs) I love that. I love that link there, right? It's trusting your gut instinct to get to that innovation. I love that you've connected Mm -hmm. that so much. Like, so I mean, for yourself, what happens when, when you get to that place, then what happens? What, where does that spark of innovation lead you? 
to the next thing. It's always just the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. What is the very next thing? What do we need to do? And, and it also can open the realm of possibilities, right? It can open the vision. It, can ex- it, it, it creates expansion instead of feeling trapped by the feeling, trapped by the confusion, trapped by the problem, trapped by the inter X, Y, Z. When we're able to have connection on that thing or even just look at it, hey, here's this problem or speak the problem, things get smaller, And then we're able to see past them. We're able to find ways around them or above them or below them. And often people want to come with us on those journeys. Because when we're brave enough to say, this doesn't make sense, or this doesn't feel good, people then go, it doesn't feel good for me either. How do we make this better? If it doesn't feel good for me and it doesn't feel good for you, there's probably other people that this doesn't feel good for either also. And they want to join us or use our product or use our service or enter X, Y, Z that, that is a product or service that's rooted in connection and helping people. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I see that question about like what happens next with the innovation, because one of the things I hear many people struggling with is they think innovation is that huge, big thing right? That thing that's going to make you the billion dollars, right? The unicorn idea. And actually, you know, innovation is built up of lots of tiny little steps. And that starts with every single day, every single hour, every single minute, trusting your gut instinct. And I love that's what you really got at there is it isn't just some unicorn idea you get twice in your life, once in your life, and then know exactly what to do with it. That isn't what innovation is. That actually doesn't happen. It is about getting the people in the room and allowing everybody in that room to trust, to be themselves. I love that. Well, which brings us perfectly to my next question, which is you are a people leader, uh, not just in your own business, but across an entire industry. So tell us, share with us some tips on how do we be more people focused? Obviously, you shared a big one already. (laughs) Uh, Who would have thought trusting our gut instincts is about being people focused? But hopefully the listeners are seeing that it really is. But how to be more people focused in our approach to managing and building businesses, building teams, building great relationships. What can we do better? Something that I say all the time is people over profit. Mm. And someone recently asked me, how do we actually (laughs) act people over profit? What do your goals look like? or your objectives as a company when you're people over profit. Mm. Does that mean that profits don't show up on your, on your OKRs or on your goals? No, absolutely not. But what that means is there should be some humanity in the goal, right? Mm. So, so there needs to be a person of feeling a, we're providing value to people. How does this affect people? The key results of those things might be quantifiable. They might be numbers-based. They might be money-based. But the root of it should be rooted in people and how we're making people feel and how Mm -hmm. we're impacting people and what people are receiving from it. Uh, Additionally, major shocker, but talking to your team is a great way (laughs) to do this. Actually getting input from your team and connecting with your team and, and as a leader, making sure that you are finding time in your calendar to be 
normal with your team. And what I mean by that is not like a hierarchical connection, but how do we connect with our team as just humans, right? I schedule time on Fridays that we just hang out on Zoom, like no business talk. We just come, come as we are. And it's this like end of the week, just sort of like hang out with the team. And I don't know. I think people are always looking for these like big, big, I'm sort of what you've said about innovation. It's like this big bang to being a heart centered people leader. And it's not, it's really in the small moments. Mm, it really is. It is a small incremental pieces and it, it it's how we show up in every single second every single minute every single hour rather than what we do once a month once a year that isn't heart center people leadership is, is the small actions which actually brings us nicely I keep for some reason the direction of travel in this podcast episode is perfect because the next thing I wanted to discuss with you again because it's something we discuss privately is about privilege I know uh, privilege is one of those topics that you are very passionate about Actually, first of all, before we dive into what I really want to ask you, can you describe for the audience what we mean when we're talking about privilege, what you think privilege is and why it's a problem or potentially not a problem? Yeah. Ooh, that's it. Ooh, I like the way you worded that. I know. I know because let's not make any assumptions, right? You and I might be on the same wavelengths, but let's not make any assumptions. (laughs) No, that's fun. And it makes me not want to know where to start because I think that, I think that the note, I'm going to put a pin in this one statement before I answer what I think privilege is. I think the notion that privilege is a problem is problematic to me. And we're going to put a pin in that before I go to what I think privilege is. Privilege is something that we are born with and or inherent or Mm -hmm. uh, inherit that allows things to be a little simpler for us. Yeah. And I heard a, great analogy for privilege, which is um, a professor had put a garbage can at the front of the classroom and everyone wadded up paper and was throwing paper into the garbage can. Everyone can get paper and throw it into the garbage can. What privilege is, is the students that were in the front row and could literally reach their hand over the garbage can and drop the paper in versus the people that were in the back of the auditorium. Mm. Was it possible for the people in the back of the auditorium to throw the paper and get it in the garbage can? Absolutely. But privileges the folks that just happen to sit closer to it. Mm. I think the really interesting thing there is imagine if I love this analogy because imagine if you were at the front, but you didn't know there was anybody behind you. You didn't know that everybody wasn't on the front row with you. Precisely. Mm. Precisely. Which is why Brene Brown has a really powerful quote that she says, we must be painfully aware of our privilege, Mm. which is so important in order to not be ignorant. (laughs) We must turn around and see the people in the auditorium Mm. and that may hurt our feelings 100 yes and it's important that we don't make those hurt feelings the people in the back of the auditorium's problem yes when we go oh my god 
it makes my heart hurt so bad that you are so far back and that I'm up here. And what do I do? What can I do? I can't move you closer, but I'm so sorry. That's making the people in the back. Not only do they have to work harder to get the, the paper and the garbage, we're also asking them for emotional support at a time that yeah. they're trying really hard to get the paper in the garbage. And so is it hard? It, it, the, the, the pain of the privilege is not relative, but sitting at the front row doesn't mean that it wasn't hard for you to extend out your arm and drop the paper in the garbage. It can be really hard. And the, how hard it is for you and how hard it is for them is not relative. Mm. And, but we also should not center ourselves in conversations with people in different rows than us. I think that is something I just want to highlight because I think some of the listeners will feel like, oh gosh, I've just realized I do that. I mean, I certainly know this is a journey I've been on, uh, especially when I first started working with um, people in the U.S., there are different because I'm in the UK. Most of my clients today are in the US, but and uh, in the UK, we we have our own set of issues. Do not get me wrong; like <laughs> yeah. we definitely have our own set of privilege issues, and there are a lot of um, commonalities. But I hadn't appreciated uh, many of them, and I realized too late, in my opinion, that I made it about me. I made it about oh my gosh, I didn't know that, and oh my gosh, that's that's horrific and that's horrible, and I'm so sorry. And they made it about me, not because I'm a bad person. I don't think anybody who no. knows me would call me a bad person. And I, if you're hearing this, don't make this wrong, but decide to be different today, right? Is that That's what you're getting at, Ashley, right? Absolutely. And that reconciling of your privilege is yours. And finding a safe place to do that with people in the same row as you, with a therapist, with a coach, it's important because there is, there may be shame that comes up. There may be guilt that comes mm -hmm. up. There may be this, oh my gosh, I have been making my friends who are people of color, who are black, who are gay, who are trans, who are inter XYZ responsible for my emotions. Mm -hmm. And now what do I do? Because I want to go to them and I want to hyper apologize. And I am realizing now that that's doing the same thing. So what do I do? Because this big thing is now inside of me and I need to get it out. Mm -hmm. Yes, you need to get it out. And yes, there will be people that are able to sympathize and empathize and help you through that and find your tribe, right? Like fi find, find the folks there that want to do that work, that, that, that want to understand white supremacy that want to to rumble in that and they're out there i promise mm. i promise they're out there there there's there's a ton on google there are many 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 books and it's terrible and it feels like shit and more power to you and bless you for doing that work because it is hard it is tough yeah. and um which sort of brings me to the pin that i put in yes the beginning, right <laughs> Privilege is not a problem. And sometimes when people start this work, this uh, white guilt comes up. Yeah. And, and enter, enter privilege, any other privilege in that. But, but mm -hmm. I think white guilt is the one that's commonly spoke of. When this becomes front of mind to us, it can be like shocking, appalling. Oh my God, I'm bad. Mm. 
or my ancestors were bad or I need to pay for my ancestors sins. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Gut punch at that point, right? That's how often we Gut feel. Punch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, not good. And something my therapist said to me that I really, really, really needed to hear is privilege is not a bad thing. Privilege just is. Some were, some got, some are in the front row, some are in the back row. And if you are in the front row or one of the front rows, it is your responsibility to leverage your privilege. Because if you don't use it, no one Mm -hmm. else can. Yes. Use it. (laughs) Let's use it and leverage it and, and, and know, hey, I get invited into this room for no good reason besides who I am. Yeah. But guess what? I can invite other people into this room. Yeah. I can invite other people and I can speak people's names in rooms and I can leverage my wealth or my access to education Mm. or my access to information or my access to spaces the 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 leverage i have politically enter whatever there that that you just have and you don't even realize is hard for other people to get yes I, I really love that because uh, part of why I do what I do, which if anybody's listened to this podcast for more than a handful of episodes, you probably know this, is although I focus on elevating women as leaders because I want you all to have a career you thrive and enjoy, my ulterior motive is, quite frankly, to change the tech industry. I am sick and tired of uh, the kind of leadership that has epitomized tech industry for decades. And one of the ways I see to change that is to give all of you listeners tools and techniques you need to get up there, to be resilient, to have that upper edge, whatever it is, because you know what, when you get there, you can break down the barriers for those coming behind you who for whatever reason, whether it's an obvious privilege point, such as you have that Ivy League education and the parents that pay for it, or it's something less obvious, such as your mental health. You have the resilience that somebody else didn't have because these privilege is not just those big categories we talk about. It's so complex and myriad that I don't think we really understand it yet. For whatever reason, if you get up there and you're listening to this, you're, you have that responsibility, as Ashley says, to reach down and pull somebody up behind you because just because you have that resilience or whatever it was, doesn't mean that those other people don't belong to be there. And we could all change this industry for the better. I so fundamentally believe that in my soul. And I hope everybody listening to this podcast episode, here is Ashley's words of wisdom around this and realize we have a duty to actually take this one forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it actually brings me to the other point around um, privilege because around the heart-centered leadership piece, which is many of us, myself included, have tried things to improve the experience of other people. Potentially they're less privileged than we are for whatever reason. We try something and it backfires and we get some feedback that we didn't get something right. Or, you know, like I have actually, I've made something worse and it can be quite crippling. So what should we do in such situations? I truly believe that great leaders are not leaders that don't screw up. It's how you handle those screw-ups. That is really what makes the mm. difference is how we navigate situations that, that you just described. Mm. And everyone is different. And for me, I believe for my process is 
generally first I'm defensive, which shows me that I have some work to do (laughs) when someone delivers some of that feedback, especially Mm. when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pouring my heart into this and I'm going to help so many people. And this is great. This is great. This is great. And then someone's like, "Mm, not so great. Mm. You're not living in your values or here's the blind spots that you forgot about. Yeah. And it is a total gut punch. The first indicator to me that I have work to do is when I'm like, but I, (laughs) okay. All right. And then I usually need a few days of reconciling. Mm. And I got to sit down and I have to reconcile the gap between my intention and people's feelings at the end. Mm. So my intentions were X and that is true, right? Like that is making sure that that is my truth. Here was my intention. And is this fully 100% my truth? And then how did people feel and what is their truth at the end of this? And what went wrong? Was it in the delivery? Was it in how they, it was received? Where, where was that misalignment? And there's usually some gushy goodness right there in the middle spot, um, which is the hardest to address. Living in the middle spot, staying in the middle, staying in the ick mm. and not turning away from it and then inviting people in to that. But I have to be far enough along before I can invite people into the like, squishies, feelings, apologize if necessary. It's not apologize when not necessary women. Um, inviting people in, I have to have done enough reconciling that I'm not defensive anymore. Mm. Um, because no good conversations happen when I'm like, here's why I did this and here's why this is good for you. No, Mm-mm. we don't need any of that. So I have to be ready to come heart in hand and find that misalignment spot for me before I can um, invite people in and be vulnerable enough that they feel safe to be vulnerable with me. And maybe they have a different misalignment spot. And then, and then how can we find, you know, we came in from one side, I came in from one side, they came in from another, we're going to meet in this squishy, icky middle part. And maybe we can transform that together and go out together a different way. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, everything you've just said is is core leadership traits anyway. I think sometimes when we have something like this, when we're doing something potentially out of our comfort zone, we're aware we've got a weak spot and we put this whole thing together to make the world a better place. I think it hits us in a way that if it was something else in our professional life, we'd be okay with. We've got the leadership skills that say, okay, I just, you know, I got defensive, got to stop that. I got to interrupt that cycle. You've got to deal with the grief the process you mm-hmm. described there, the reconciliation is really grief processing. I thought this was true. It's not true. Got to go through the grief process. That's okay. But for many of us, like, again, I would say I've definitely been in this place. I haven't had this tested recently. It'll be interesting next time it comes along because it will inevitably. <laughs> like, how how do I respond to that when I get that feedback? Like, you messed up there. How will I respond? Because it is going to happen again. Like, have I managed to deal with that better than I have done in the past? I I think it's super important for us to recognize 
if you're listening to this as a great leader, you probably already have these tools in your toolkit. It's about recognizing it applies in this situation too, which if this isn't your day job, well, first of all, this is your day job, actually, if you're a leader, (laughs) what we want to do with this conversation, I think is really get you to realize this is part of your day job listeners. Uh, and, and just bring it into who you are, like use the skills you already have as a leader and apply it in these situations as well. Would you agree with that, Ashley? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me to be a more authentic heart-centered leadership, I had to allow myself to stay in the feelings mm. and to stay in the ickiness and not get so logical, linear action oriented, which is my safe space, right? Like if I'm overwhelmed emotionally making a spreadsheet, it doesn't even matter what it's about. will make me feel better. Um, (laughs) And so like hyper planning my schedule or like getting into this, like I need to do one, two, three, four, five in that order. Mm. Sometimes this is not corporate. It's not something that you put in a spreadsheet. It's not something that you can um, logic your way out of. Yeah. And so allowing myself to stay in the feelings for long enough that that action plan does need to come. But sometimes when we jump to it too quickly, um, we're missing the point. Yeah. And part of grief is allowing the feelings, right? You know, we all know that if you just put the television on to like ignore the thing that's going on, we don't actually deal with it. So allow yourself to be in that moment. As you say, don't go to that toolkit. Don't go to the, you know, the spreadsheet, whatever it is that you do to allow yourself to like move on. You have to allow those motions. You have to put them up front and center and say, I feel this way. Okay. I feel this way rather than pushing them into the corner and say, I don't want to look at that right now. It's too uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, let's go to the quick fire round. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten is no one really knows what they're talking about or no one really knows what they're doing. Nobody cares along that, those lines. And that sounds really negative, but why it became so empowering to me is like being a queer woman in the startup world and thinking that everybody else knew what was going on and that there was like this total common understanding that everybody had that I was on the outside of Mm. and it was like oh I don't know all this jargon and all this terminology and so I must not be enough I must not be smart enough I must not be good enough and then this veil coming up of like wait nobody actually really knows what's going on we're all kind of making it up (laughs) to some degree you just have to have some logic behind the story that you're writing or the vision that you're writing and also everyone is so wrapped up in themselves and what they're doing that they don't really have time to pay attention to the level that we're doing. So like, if you mess up, if you don't actually know everything that's going on, it's completely fine. And also no one's probably going to notice. <laughs> so just like learn what you need to learn and move on yeah. and like release yourself from that pressure that you're on the outside. Cause you're not. You're not at all. You're you're right in the mix with everyone else. They've just gotten better at pretending. Yeah, 100%. Okay, worst piece of advice you've ever been given? 
anyone that tells me that success looks like X or grief looks like X, or this is the way that you need to do it. And this is the order, or this is how fast it needs to be. Nope. It's all different. (laughs) It's all different. It's different for everybody. It feels different. It's, it's, it's like peeling an onion. (laughs) It changes all the time and they can knock you off your feet when you're not expecting it in, in beautiful ways and also in, in hard ways. And so I'm of the notion that we need to take bits and pieces of, from each of everyone else's story and we'll find ourselves in there somewhere. Mm. But learning when someone gives advice, learning for me to like catch it in front of myself and say, what if this is mine and what if it isn't? And throwing out what's not mine and keeping the bits that are um, because we don't have to take it all. We can just take pieces. Mm, I love it. Okay. Final quick question. What is your favorite networking tip for women? Networking is really hard for me in a large group of people. And so I personally do best with like getting brave one night and like sending a cold DM Mm. and being really vulnerable (laughs) and seeing if it lands or not. And it has sometimes. And the people that it doesn't land with maybe aren't your people or maybe don't connect that way. Um, That's what's best for me is this like one-on-one. So be brave. Send the DM send the email. I've had major success from connecting with women over being like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need this thing. And you have this thing. And do you want to hang out? And it's worked. It totally works. Like women want to help women. We are out there. I promise. And so being your full authentic self and then like getting a vulnerability hangover is worth it. I promise. Love it. Love it. Okay. At the end of every episode, we do a mindset tip to help people adjust how they act or think on the topic of today's podcast. So for you, Ashley, I would love for you to share a mindset shift that listeners can make to help them elevate their people-centered leadership. What's your mindset shift? My mindset shift is I do not focus on the mindset as like, how do I stay in that? I focus on the return. How do I continue to return to the love? How do I continue to return to the productivity? How do I continue to to return to the innovation? Because when I focus on staying in the love or staying in the productivity and how how do I continue to be on overdrive all the time, it results in my burnout and it results in shame. Because I don't believe that it's possible to stay in these hyper productive states or hyper open, right? Mm -hmm. Like open heart all the time. Things are going to clam us up and it might have nothing to do with work, right? But like we could have an interaction that like slams that like heart shut. And so for me, it's about being aware of when we drift out and then how do we return? And when I make the return my practice, it feels safer for my mental health. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. I think often we need to focus more on the outcome we're after anyway. And, you know, you have in the strategy world, you have lead measures and lag measures and the lag measures are what keeps us up at night, the productivity, the profit, you know, that sort of stuff. 
the lead measures of the things that actually are going to make the difference and the things we can measure on route, right? And I think part of it is recognizing the lead measures that are actually outcomes. Like what outcome do I want today, tomorrow, next week? Not how do I need to behave? Oh gosh, the productivity, but what outcome is important right now for us to to stay on track for whatever thing. I really, really love that. Okay. How can people find out more about you, connect with you? Uh, Because this has been so phenomenal. I think we're going to have a lot of people hoping to connect with what you do. Auditmate.com is the best way to learn about Auditmate. And then for me, LinkedIn at Ashley Wilson is absolutely the best way to find out what I'm up to, where I'm speaking, um, things of that nature. Perfect. And I will make sure all those links are in the show notes. So Ashley, before we wrap up today, any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? My final thoughts are, it's going to be hard, um, but do it anyway. Like that little voice, that magic that's like, I can do this. I can really do this. I know this is possible. Or, you know, write, write the book that you need to read. Build the business that you wish you had. There was an amazing um, quote in my, uh, the astrologer Chani this morning was like, how do you be the ancestor today for your future self? Mm. And it's for me about like, how do we continue to embody and, and build businesses and create industries and create communities that we need and we want, because if we wish we had it, someone else does as well. Thank you so much. Such amazing words of wisdom all the way through today's episode. I have loved this so much. Thank you, Ashley, for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. If you want to connect with Ashley, make sure you head over to the show notes to grab all those links, URLs, follow her on LinkedIn, This woman has so much wisdom to share beyond just this podcast. I think we could have chatted all day. I often feel like that with some of the amazing women I have on this podcast. So make sure you go check that out right now. And don't forget that if you are ready to really take your career and your leadership seriously, then you should be part of the Leading Women in Tech Bootcamp. Head over to tonycollis.com forward slash bootcamp. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.